people, we are all the way up and you know what it is. It's another Wednesday with your boys where we discuss the latest and greatest in the world of professional wrestling. It's the faction powered by Bonafide Radio, but I'm not by myself. I got my boys with me. I got the valedictorian with me, GB. What's up, good brothers? How's everybody doing? You look more rested this week. Well, it's just a look. Um, it's just a look. <laughs> it's, it's solely a look. I, I made a decision Sunday. I said I can't stand this beard any longer. So I got rid of that. I tried to get back to me. And um, my son just won't let me be great. These last couple of nights, he got up at about 1, and he kept me up for about three and a half hours. It was sweet. So uh, you, you- – you have this babyface uh, look going on like you're about to win the title or something in the 80s. Well, I, I am going to win a championship very soon here, so yeah, be, on the, be on the lookout. But, yeah, you know, I just um, – so I, at this point, I think I have resolved myself to just getting as little sleep as possible because that's just the way of the world. Like every time I get ready to try to sleep, it, it doesn't work, so – Yesterday, I think I got, uh, uh, let's see, um, maybe two hours, maybe. So we'll see. So that, that usually, it. that usually okay. means it'll, it'll create a very intriguing show, uh, when I'm operating, you know, it's funny. I, uh, when I was at, sorry, I'm, I'm already talking way too much. So when I was at wave, the, the, the best Sundays were the Sundays where pastor Steve had jet lag. We had like just come in from Australia because Bro. he was likely to say anything and did. Those are those moments. And did. Speaking of, speaking of people saying anything, we have the Tennessee Texan with us. That's right. The mouth of the South, the mouth of Memphis, Brandon Clack is with us. <laughs> that is so dumb. Shut What's up, up y'all? Everybody doing good? <laughs> oh, we're here. How are you doing, man? You've been all over the place. You know, I, I have the opposite testimony of GB. Um okay. uh, his his child uh, stayed up all. Well, your 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 baby stayed up all night and sleeps all day. Pretty much, yeah. Okay, never mind. We've got the same testimony. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Something happened to Noah last night. Okay, where Noah literally decides to stay up all night. Wow. I didn't find out about it today until he was watching some kind of cartoon mouse on YouTube at the foot of my bed, <laughs> where I left him when I went to sleep. And I said, Noah, what are you doing? Did you go to bed? He said, can't I go to bed during the day? Wow. I said, what are you doing? <laughs> and he literally just put himself to bed oh my at gosh. 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. Wow. Right now. Wow. I what think he has a point. What in the world? He has a point. Now, I, 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 I got to say this because the most ignorant thing happened in my house last week okay okay which is the clack the clack family stayed with me for days okay now because brandon uh jehoshaphat clack is uh famous he had to ponder So wait, you had it. He you had he had it where it sounded like Ponda River or Ponda. I, I don't know what where it was. It it was ponded well, into the I'm, space. I'm sorry, uh, Brandon J. Clack, Joe's Fat Clack. He had to Ponderosa around the country. Ah, so 
he didn't come to my house. Wait, is, is my internet acting up? Well, it's fine now, but I, 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 it it just kind of you know screwed up. But you're good. Go ahead. And and, and and so Brandon comes and stays at my house. I I I don't even see him. I I see remnants that he's here. <laughs> I don't even get a chance to talk to him because I have an early morning flight. Do you know when I saw Brandon Clack in New York City That's walking funny. through the lobby of a hotel room <laughs> of a hotel where we went and ate breakfast at a seedy diner? Wow. Wow. Well, so sometimes they have the, the best weird- food, though. GB, that food had been washed in Ninja I Turtles, New York City. In the Big Apple. Are you serious? Courtney That's took us to. Uh, have you ever seen Goodfellas? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Courtney so. took us to a Goodfellas restaurant. Oh gosh, Courtney! Now you usually do better than that. Better it was a. It was the closest thing we could get to without getting mugged. I have never had sour bacon before. Sour but this bacon, bacon. The bacon was sour. I Ew. said, "What is this? Some kind of special New York?" Sauerkraut bacon? No, no, now, no, no. I know. Now listen, I, I know I got that wrong. But if you want to talk about breakfast? GB took me to a place called Thumbs Up in Atlanta. Yes. Okay. Yes. That place. <laughs> Woo! Was it good? The real deal. Listen, there is a guarantee the with me. Deal. If you come hang out with me, you will eat well. That's a guarantee. Oh, no, that is the truth. Because GB took me to some slamming restaurant in Atlanta. Yes, Remember, sir. and the waiter didn't wait on us or something? Something was wrong with him? I remember. That's right. There was like a whole issue because the other waiter, <laughs> waiter was coming, bad mouthing the It was crazy. Yeah. That was crazy. It was like a hang- small fight. When did y'all <laughs> hang out in Atlanta? We hung out, uh, it was a few, a couple years ago. A couple years ago. Oh, was okay. it years ago? Yeah, you know why I know? Because I remember because wow. uh, Hart Ramsey was in a different location. Yeah, and we've been in this oh. location for a year and change. Yep. Well, I thought y'all were talking about recently. All oh, right. no. I'll no, forget. no. I'm not famous yeah. enough now. That's when I. That, oh, I, what? My, what? My level, my level of, 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 of fame has been way superseded by Clack, so. Oh, no, not, not even close. I'm not You wrestle at Evolve now. <laughs> you're, not on, you're not on a big roster. You wrestle right. at Evolve. Right. I'm at Evolve, so, you know. Oh, that is not true. <laughs> no. Go to the performance center and lose your number. I'm glad that the internet shut you down right there. <laughs> it really I'm did, so though. That's glad. funny. The internet said hush. <laughs> the internet oh, threw you in the air like that branch did that little African baby. <laughs> no, don't do that to me. I don't oh, even know man. where that video came from, but Clack showed us something before we got on the air and, and just kind of messed us all up. So, yeah, I'm sure that uh, well, Courtney probably will share it because Clack is very careful about what he shares online. But oh yeah, Courtney will share. Courtney will share that in a heartbeat. What? I know. What do y'all say? <laughs> Didn't Courtney share some weird picture of Michael Jackson with his hand on him? Oh. <laughs> Didn't you tell me something about Michael Jackson that touched you, and then you posted a picture of Michael Jackson with his hand on you? <laughs> GB, go to break. <laughs> go to break. Oh, I can't breathe. Oh my god. 
So listen, <laughs> last week. I don't even know why I picked him. <laughs> Didn't you have a picture with Michael Jackson behind you or something like that? No, I don't, Clack. <laughs> Courtney took, if you guys follow Courtney on, on uh, social media, he took this picture that he said was supposed to, you know, be kind of deep and filled with this great inspirational quote. And his friends uh, sent him uh, interesting memes uh, using that picture, and uh, it, it's quite hilarious. You got to go to his social media and, and check it out. It's pretty funny. Well, well listen, last time uh, we were together, which was last week, uh, we had quite the conversation. We uh, recapped the best of the Super Juniors from New Japan and NXT TakeOver 25, and, and we started to get you ready for the Super Showdown. I don't know how good of a job we did because, well... We'll talk about what happened, but be that as it may, go back, check out, it's the latest episode of The Faction, it's episode 168, and you can check that out here at BonnerFiedRadio.com or wherever it is that you get your podcast. So that means new week, new conversation, Courtney, tell them what's up for today's show. Welcome to episode 168 of The Faction right here on Bonnerfied Radio, we're definitely going to talk Super Showdown, Goldberg almost killed Undertaker and himself. Matt Riddle versus Goldberg, possibly. Also, there's a tribute to Dusty Rhodes. We'll definitely talk Raw and SmackDown, and Big E makes a return. But before we do, here's my theme song, I'm Just Sick of It, by Skillet. That's right, CFO. You're listening to The Faction on Bonafide Radio. That's radio the way it's supposed to be. This is a total package, Lex Luger, and you are turned into The Faction.
are the faction. Yo, it's not a faction without the facts, son. Welcome back to the Faction Powered by Bonafide Radio. You were just listening to Sick of It. That's by Skillet. GB, take it from here. All right, lots of ground to cover. We have to start here. Yesterday was a significant day in the world of pro wrestling because it was four years ago yesterday that we got the tragic news of the passing of the late great American dream, Dusty Rhodes. Now, we really can't talk too much about Dusty Rhodes and his contributions and the like. Uh, A former three-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion, uh, many did not know until later that he was responsible for uh, the bulk of the booking in the NWA during its heyday in the 80s and during uh, a great time in the 90s as well. Uh, He brought us incredible match concepts like War Games, the Bunkhouse Stampede, and he brought us, of course, the Great American Bash, which uh, really became a signature mark of WCW. Uh, Of course, he brought us his two sons, Cody and Dustin, who are in the business, and he leaves his mark, of course, with NXT and all that NXT is doing. No surprise, it's the number one brand after what uh, Dusty Rhodes has done with it. So it's uh, a posit that we would take uh, a moment in time to talk about the impact of the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. I will save you for last, Courtney, since I know you have uh, quite a bit to say about Dusty. But, Clack, what are your uh, thoughts and impressions of the American dream, Dusty Rhodes? You know, you guys are probably going to really get after me and give me a ton of wrestling homework in a few minutes. But my journey with Dusty Rhodes actually starts in the early 90s uh, when he finally made it to the WWF with his polka dots on. And I remember being very confused Mm -hmm. that this very large, overweight man had the courage to wrestle in his underwear and with no shirt on. And But, you know, from my perspective, I was groomed with these you know, chiseled-bodied wrestlers that were, you know, rippling muscles everywhere. So for me, I was very confused until I heard him talk. Mm. And it was like at that early age, hearing him talk, I knew that there was something unique about this guy that I wanted to watch. Mm -hmm. And then watching him in the ring, it wasn't that he was athletic, but he told this unusual story Mm -hmm. that almost made me think he was a very strong uh, cut up, shredded up wrestler. So th- he had a weird way. I think he's probably the only wrestler that I have ever encountered where I forgot what he looked like based off of the story he told in and outside out of the ring. So uh, my memories of Dusty were uh, very pleasant. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping that his sons will wise up and come back home pretty soon. Oh, my. Oh, my. Uh, Courtney, your thoughts on the American dream? Dusty Rhodes, the epitome of turning failure into success. Dusty Rhodes was in Boston trying out for a professional football team, did not make it, ended up trying out for another team in Boston and happened one day to see a flyer that talked about professional wrestling. You want to talk about failure? He failed at one thing, but a chance encounter with the flyer turned into everything that we see as today. 
He walked into big time wrestling there, learned how to wrestle, went back down to hang out with Devon Erickson, Texas, and he became the Dusty Rhodes as we know. Dusty was so prolific that when a young Ric Flair or Richard Flair came along, he wanted to be named Ricky Rhodes after Dusty Rhodes. He even found himself overweight like one Dusty Rhodes to try to be him. Can you imagine what the world looks like today if we have no Ric Flair? Can you imagine what professional wrestling looks like if we have no Dusty Rhodes? The tree of a Dusty Rhodes goes far. Triple H, though coming up under Vince, he will readily admit he is the brainchild when it comes to his thought pattern, his philosophy, his perspective. It's from hanging out with one, the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. AEW is being pushed by the grandson of a plumber, Dusty Rhodes' brain still lives on today. Dustin Reynolds, one uh, gold dust, has given us the blueprint like Chris Jericho on how to wrestle effectively even into older age and staying lean and mean. Learn from gold dust on how to do this. Dusty Rhodes, if he is subtracted from the lineage and the history of professional wrestling, there's a huge gap. I'm gonna go on. We're missing a ton. I, I'm gonna go on record and say that you know, over time, people have looked at you know the first what they call the first families or or the most impactful families in pro wrestling. They've talked about the Hart family. They've talked about the Von Erichs. They've talked about the Funks. But I think you really have to have uh, Dusty Rhodes and his family in this you conversation for a simple reason. Um, Perhaps there was no father-son combination that was more successful in terms of the volume of children in the business. Think about this. Now, you've got the Von Eriks, right? They really only produced one world champion. Um, and then there was so much tragedy that went with them. But if you think about it, there were six, there were six Von Eriks and really only three of them, uh, four of them. Three of them, Kevin, Carrie, David. Yeah, three of them that really like wrestled for real, for real, right? The yeah. other three, Mike tried and failed. Chris tried and failed. It was just very difficult. You look at the Hart family, right? So you have Bret Hart who comes out as a superstar. Owen probably would be the next one, but there were many, many Hearts in that generation that were not uh, successful as their father, Stu. Here you look at a Dusty Rhodes, a world champion, and both of his sons get into the business, and both of them make a name for themselves outside of their father. It's a pretty notable thing. Uh, I'd say it's more influential even than the McMahon family because Vince McMahon was not a wrestler getting involved in the business he was a promoter who decided he wanted to hop in the ring and wrestle his children wanted to hop in the ring and wrestle but not because they were trained wrestlers dusty Rhodes has this business in his blood and continues to give to us you know think about this no one man is really impacted in this way three giant promotions the way that he has and you could argue four maybe even five or six. 
I mean, we're talking about the NWA slash WCW, which will count as one. Of course, his time in WWE, what he did in NXT, which you can count as a third brand. Then you have to, of course, look at AEW. But let's also consider the work he did in ECW. Let's also consider the fact that he was a big part of TNA Impact Wrestling. I grabbed six promotions. I haven't talked about what he did in Florida. I didn't talk about what what he did with World Class. I didn't talk about what he did in Japan. Here is a true international wrestling legend. Something that Hulk Hogan can't say. Hogan wasn't an ECW. Something that perhaps some of the other super large greats can't necessarily say. I think if you're doing a... uh, a Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling, Dusty Rhodes has to be on there. Um, and let, based on his G- GB, let, let, contributions, yeah. Let, 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 let me say this: it can get kind of convoluted, though, if you combine his NWA and WCW work because Mid Atlantic was so prevalent to the regions of. Well, but but let's remember he was an NWA was was. Well, I was going to say, let's remember, he was an NWA world champion. So he did more outside right. of Mid-Atlantic. So that's why I just right, can't right, say, right. you know, the Mid-Atlantic piece. Right. And, and so, but when you take in what he did at uh, JCP, when you take in what he did at Mid-Atlantic, all of those things, even his mind then discovering a Magnum TA, sure. whose birthday was yesterday, but career was cut short. Dusty was a great discoverer of talent. And let me tell you this, guys. If you want to know Dusty, go on YouTube and type in Dusty Rhodes stories. You will laugh. There's a story that Cody Rhodes tells where Dusty stopped the country from going to war. I believe it. I believe it. And, and you know, check out the WWE Network, which has some great, great it, footage of Dusty Rhodes as well. Um, and there is, I don't know if they still have this on there. I think they do still have it in the archives of the WWE Network. There's a show called Legends of Wrestling where it's a roundtable conversation, and they had one of these that talked about the impact of race in the world of pro wrestling. And you have to hear how Dusty Rhodes talks about the impact of race and his influences, which one of his, one of the reasons why he talks the way he does is because of a tent revival. Yep. He's been ref- it- referenced by Jim Ross as the T.D. Jakes of pro wrestling. Um, oh yeah, yeah! It's a major deal. And, Dusty Rhodes, go ahead. And major shame, major shame on anybody who just knows him as polka dots. Let me say that. Oh, if you on. just know him as polka dots and a common man, and you call yourself a fan, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Oh, Courtney, now, shame! This is coming from someone who grew up right smack in the middle of the mid south. They're not mid south. The uh, mid Atlantic territory. Shame. Don't don't shame. don't shame him. Shame on a he, fan who just knows him as polka dot. Here's the deal: he's gonna go and do his homework as he always does, and he'll come back with some facts that you probably don't even know, because that's what Brandon Clack does. So Clack, do me a favor, do yourself a favor, just search Dusty Rhodes on the WWE Network. You're gonna see some incredible matches. Uh, they probably will have some of his Starcade matches. Um, I really hope one day they put the Crockett Cup on there so you could see his tag team work. But, man, his involvement in old NWA and things like that were just absolutely clutch. So, 
uh, long live the memory, the contributions, and the impact of the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. So going from uh, Dusty Rhodes to kind of what's happening currently, which is all so very interesting. Told you that it was a big week in the world of pro wrestling, and indeed it was. Two big pay-per-views uh, within 48 hours of each other that we need to talk about for two very different reasons. Let's start with uh, the seemingly controversial WWE Super Showdown. Um, interestingly enough, last year's presentation of Showdown uh, took place in Melbourne, Australia. This year's version of it is in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, where they were initially really, really quiet about the location, but they eventually, you know, let the world know where it was. So things kicked off with a kickoff match as the Usos defeated the Revival. Then the Universal Champion Seth Rollins defeated Baron Corbin and survived a potential cash-in from Brock Lesnar. Intercontinental Champion the Demon Finn Balor defeated Andrade. I can't even believe I'm about to say this, but it really happened. Shane McMahon pinned Roman Reigns. Just, you know, sit with that for a second. (laughs) Sit, sit with that. Lars Sullivan defeated the Lucha House Party by disqualification in a three-on-one handicap match. I don't know how one gets disqualified in a handicap match, but that's another story. Randy Orton defeats Triple H. Braun Strowman defeated Bobby Lashley as they look to give us Will Ospreay versus Ricochet Part 2. WWE Champion Kofi Kingston defeated Dolph Ziggler. And in the largest battle royal in WWE history, Mansoor wins the first ever 50-man battle royal. And the show closes with the match that left everybody talking. The Undertaker, first-time-ever match, defeated Goldberg. And uh, there's lots of conversation. So let's start with overall impressions of Super Showdown. And then we'll spend some time talking about the match that everyone's talking about. Uh, Courtney, any thoughts on Super Showdown without talking Taker and Goldberg? Beautiful. All right. Yes. It's a few, yes. one of the few times you can get them to be quiet. All right. Clack. Yes. <laughs> Clack, what did you think of Super Showdown without talking Goldberg and Taker? Uh, I actually was not. I was not disappointed. Uh, I enjoyed it. You know, these super showdowns, I, I, I wish I would have had them when I was a kid. It's almost like they're a dream come true. It's almost like I get uh, a mid-year, a, you know, a summer WrestleMania, you know, right before SummerSlam. So I, I actually enjoyed it. Uh, I thought that one match that I was impressed with was Randy Orton and Triple H. That was a good match. I thought Randy. Randy Orton looked like the Randy Orton of, you know, 10 years ago. First of all, that dude is still in ridiculous shape, which is is crazy. He is. But but I thought Triple H really handled his own. Triple H could be back on the main roster, in my opinion. Oh, certainly. But I I, I really enjoyed it. You know, and and, and I think to uh, really take care of the conspiracy theorists, Kofi Kingston's run with the WWE Championship is impressive. I don't think that he's keeping the belt because of the color of his skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the dude can just flat out go. He so hopefully we can we can some of the conspiracy theorists can throw that out the window uh, that he's only getting a bone to uh, 
to meet a quota. I, I think he he can just flat out go. He has proven himself over time um, to be a great WWE champion. He's present whenever he's needed. He backs it up in the ring, and he's not just beat random guys in in a you know controversial kind of way. He's gone the distance with some really tough opponents. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, you know, he's fought a lot of guys and he's done it very well while keeping up a very busy tour schedule. It's what you want in a WWE champion. I think part of the problem that may be happening right now is it's almost like Ricky Steamboat as the world heavyweight champion in the NWA. I think people have been so accustomed to a Ric Flair being over the top to a Ric Flair being a villain of sorts that they don't know how to handle someone who's just clean cut, loves his family, and knows how to have fun. That's a Kofi Kingston, and I don't think people know how to handle it, but I think it's necessary in these days and times. And he gave us a great match. Matter of fact, one thing you can say about Kofi is he's not given us a bad match. You know, uh, we can't point back and say, oh, that was a horrible match for the WWE Championship. Not at all. He's really yeah. uh, hit a great, great stride. Um, I will say this. I think uh, the Super Showdown. So to your point about you wish these happened in the 80s, well, they actually did. There were these big matches that would happen in, uh, like, Montreal where they would have sixty or 70,000 people. The problem is that would only be released on Coliseum Video, and uh, it wasn't something that was necessarily pushed in the way that things are now. Um, so they've got experience with doing these larger shows, but it's just, you know, back then they weren't promoted as like a major pay-per-view or something like that. So that's one of the big differences, I think, with that. But definitely there's something about a large stadium show that seems exciting to people um, that makes something small seem even bigger. With that said, uh, Super Showdown... They clearly mail that one in. They mail it in a lot, if you ask me. Um, and part of it has to do with two things. Number one, you know, when that check is already there, you're not as likely to work as hard as if you get paid after the event. Uh, ask any musician, they'll tell you. Uh, and then the second piece to that is these people are not used to working in 100-degree weather. This is brutal. You've got these guys trying to have these great matches, and it's 100 degrees out in a different kind of heat. They're not used to that. And, I mean, you can't wrestle butterball naked. So it's a tough moment and a tough ask for a lot of these WWE superstars. With that said, it's time to have the conversation about the match everyone was talking about. Goldberg versus Undertaker. First time ever. Um, there were a lot of expectations around this one way or the other. It started off as a barn burner and ended in a lot of danger. Let's have the conversation, guys. Uh, Clack, what did you think? I know you have strong thoughts about Taker, uh, but what did you think about this presentation between Taker and Goldberg? Dream come true. Um, I I'm not caught up in necessarily be the standard of the quality of wrestling on this one this was a dream come true uh just to see them in the ring together see them face to face uh to get any productivity out of them 
uh, I just I just enjoyed it. it. It was special for me. Now, you know, obviously some of the logistics towards the end, uh, I thought Father Time really started to wrestle against them also. Mm-hmm. I think when they got fatigued, uh, they just got a little bit sloppy, mostly Goldberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he almost completely destroyed himself with concussion protocol. Yeah. Uh, but but overall, for for what I needed to see before I die, I needed to see Goldberg <laughs> and Undertaker in the ring. Just like I need to see Undertaker and Sting in the ring. Mm-hmm. I think we are comparing it next to the, the Young Bucks, no pun intended, of wrestling today. I didn't need them to AEW wow me. I didn't need them to Kofi Kingston wow me. I needed to see you in the ring looking at each other. And then we'll work through the rest. Uh, Courtney, would you like to share your thoughts on uh, Taker versus Goldberg? Don't look at me like what that. What a waste. What a what a absolute waste of WWE Network power. What a waste of Wi-Fi. What a waste of Saudi dollars. This man, Goldberg, knocked himself concussed and got Dane Bramage by injuring himself again. <laughs> Isn't this the same brother who killed Bret Hart? Well, he did in Bret Hart's career. The only injury that Bret Hart had, yeah. And then he tried to kill Undertaker. I just think the problem to me is not Goldberg. The problem to me is not Undertaker. The problem is a 70-something-year-old man who lives in Greenwich, Connecticut. And he keeps throwing high dollars at old people to do young things. Listen to me again. He throws high dollars at old people to do young things. Now, I heard what Clack said. All I really need you to do is go in there and get choked. But no, y'all want to put on a match and act like you're at the AEW double or nothing. And what happened? Dane Bramage. Mm-mm-mm-mm. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to share my thoughts on Goldberg versus Taker. We're also going to talk about the uh, live trolling of Matt Riddle on Goldberg. It was most intriguing, to say the least. And while Courtney blames Vince, there's a certain NXT superstar who says Vince is not to blame for the current WWE product. We're going to talk about all of that and more. But right now, we're going to a quick break. Speaking of Matt Riddle, he is the original bro. And here's his theme song, Hey Bro, coming from CFO. You've got it locked to the faction, powered by Bonnerfied Radio. It's me, CGP, the king of Bada Bing, the master of the diamond cutter, the three-time, three-time, three-time world champion and CEO and founder of DDP Yoga. You're listening to The Faction on Bonafide Radio. And that's not a bad thing. That, my friend, is a good thing. Bang! Bro.
announcement ladies and gentlemen look everyone bell and ebenezer are in love no silly is in the building. you can now listen to bonafide radio courtesy of our new mobile app Holla! 
available for the iPod, iPad, and iPhone. Come on, you can do Find it. out the latest news, check out our podcast, or listen to us live listen. right now on your phone. Oh, yeah. Download the app today via the iTunes App Store by searching for Bonafide Radio or at iPhone.bonafideradio.com. I'm living in that 21st century. We got something to say. Listen. Would you like to take your business or service to the next level? Yeah. Consider adding Bonafide Radio to your marketing plan. I can't wait. We will gladly share your product with our listeners in a creative, efficient, affordable, and professional manner. This is so gnarly. For more information, scroll to the bottom of our website and click Advertise. Uh-huh. Or email us directly at sales at getbonafide.com. I know you're going to dig this. This is Tracy Lynn, and I want you to take a journey with me through the jazzy side of Bonafide Radio. Every Tuesday at 2 p.m., tune in to Melodic Grooves right here on GetBonafide.com or via the Bonafide Radio app. Bonafide Radio, radio the way it's supposed to be. We are the faction. Yo, it's not a faction without the facts, son. Welcome back to the Faction Powered by Bonafide Radio. You were just listening to Hey Bro. That's Matt Riddle's theme song, CFO. All right, GB, take it away. All right, so before the break, we were talking about Taker versus Goldberg. Uh, Clack gave his thoughts. Courtney gave his thoughts where he said he blamed Vince McMahon um, for this. I have a couple of thoughts. Thought number one, uh, I kind of somewhat meet in the middle, so... I actually got excited by the promos that were done last week by Taker and Goldberg. And when they first got in the ring together, it was just like, whoa. Um, When the match started, let me just start by saying I did not have expectations of a long, drawn-out match. I thought we were going to get about five minutes. The fact that we got nine minutes and 30-some-odd seconds was alarming to me. But when you realize that part of that was because Goldberg had no clue where he was or what he was doing, Then it got really, you know, so it went from, holy cow, Goldberg is going to try to finish this early with two spears. That was a smart move. Then it turned to, okay, Goldberg, uh, Taker looks a little tired and old, but he's trying to hang. Then it turned to, oh, my God, I hope somebody doesn't die. Um, When Goldberg basically spears the uh, ring post and busts himself wide open then you know he doesn't get very high for the choke slam then he tries to do well there's a tombstone that's done on on Goldberg where Goldberg's head basically bounces off the canvas then Goldberg tries to uh, do his own tombstone and his legs give out um, there were just so, and, and not to forget the jackhammer that was a brain buster where he couldn't even get Undertaker up. I sat back and asked myself, first of all, Goldberg was very protected. I'm just going to put it out there. He was very protected in WCW. He was never as great as they made him out to be. 173-0, and doesn't mean much when you're fighting the gobbledygooker. 
doesn't mean much when you're fighting a bunch of also rans and people who don't do anything or mean anything to this business. Just because you fought Hulk Hogan and, you know, the business was hot doesn't mean that you were great. Hogan wasn't a great wrestler. So the reality of it is I think this match showed us that Goldberg was always overhyped and he underdelivered. And the fact that Goldberg would come out of retirement to give this piss poor match um, is, is telling. Now, let me say this. Um, you blamed Vince, Courtney. Listen. I can make you an offer, but nobody says you have to take it, okay? Goldberg didn't want to come back for a longer run when he came back uh, a couple of years ago. But he did. He liked it. But if you watched his 24 special, he talked about how it was just so brutal to get in shape for this. And this hurt so bad. And I don't know that I want to do this again. So you think you can do a one-off with, of all people, one of the greatest of all time, The Undertaker? A guy who has figured out how to work while he's old? A guy who's figured out how to make the most of, you know, his current situation? Man, listen. You want to talk about an argument or a fight. If they had to cart Undertaker out because he was unconscious and he had brain damage, we would be having a completely different conversation. So to me, what this says is it says that Goldberg was never any good in the first place. No wonder he's a representation of WCW. No wonder WCW died because Goldberg's the only star it ever created. So with that said... You blamed Vince, Courtney, but a certain Velveteen Dream doesn't blame Vince at all. A lot of people have been making a lot of noise about the WWE's current product. Well, the Velveteen Dream, who, by the way, is an NXT and he's all of 23 years old, took to Instagram and his stories to talk about this whole Vince McMahon being blamed for the WWE product. I want to read what he said, and then I want for us to have a conversation and see, is Velveteen Dream right? He starts off with, let's play a game. Is it fair to critique Vince? After all, I mean, after all, WWE is a form of entertainment. You do know WWE is a TV show, right? WWE is a TV show put on cable and network TV. By who, you ask? The answer, Vince McMahon evil boss on screen and director of his TV show off screen then he lists all the shows then he says George Lucas directed Star Wars Vince McMahon directs Raw Smackdown and 205 Live and he's directed everything else you've watched from WWE over the last 40 years point is when TV sucks it's because actors and entertainers and stuntmen failed to entertain you Vince can write all day it's your favorites that have to make it entertaining. Star Wars was great in the 90s, too. The new ones suck because the actors suck. And yes, this is still a WWE thread. Dream over. All right, so does Velveteen Dream have a point here? Or is he just kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth? Clack, I want to hear what you have well, to say. Vel well, well, go ahead. Velveteen Dream. The Velveteen Dream doesn't have a point like you didn't have a point earlier in what you said about Goldberg and the Mr. McMahon. Well, I uh, did. You know, you, 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 you mm -hmm. and your point your is coming through. Your point to move on to the next segment. Your point as is coming something. through as clear as a muddy internet. Yeah, go ahead. 
Well, even though the vessel may be in the wilderness shouting in the darkness, it doesn't mean that Jesus didn't come when John the Baptist is saying it. So nobody was there here's to what see I want to say about this. It. Yeah. Listen, here's what I want to say about this. Uh-huh. Velveteen Dream is a company man. He's a company man and has no clue what he's talking about because he's 23 and can't see beyond his eyelids. Talk to Chris Jericho, who's been in the business 20 to 30 years. And when Jericho says something, people listen. So you want me to take the word of a 23-year-old and not that of a Christopher Jerome Jericho? Please, Velveteen Dream, police. And as for your Goldberg statement about Goldberg not being any good just because he looked crappy in his last match, Sir KD, he looked crappy in his See, that's last the, time he's not one of the greatest players of all time. That's why the Lord wouldn't let your point come across, because it was about to be completely stupid. All right, uh, Clack, what would you say about the Velveteen Dream and uh, his commentary about Vince and the current state of WWE? You know, I can tell that Courtney is a casual basketball fan when mm-hmm. things are popular, mm-hmm. but to say that Kevin Durant did not have one of the most amazing first of all he had the highest plus minus percentage on the court Mm. of everyone even for the duration of the game Mm -hmm. he did not miss a field goal he went three for three and had not played it over the the, wrong show i'm sorry (laughs) but i just cannot believe the audacity and the courage Mm -hmm. anyways Mm -hmm. velveteen dream shares the same sentiments that i do it's as if he had texted me and asked me my thoughts I totally agree with him. It's not necessarily about your tenure of an assessment. It has everything to do with how close you are to the pulse of the problem. This is the problem with a lot of things at times when we only deem that people that have been around a long time are the only ones that can take a quality assessment of an issue. It doesn't matter how long he's been in the business. He's got his pulse on the problem. He's there. He's in the mix. I think his assessment is healthy. I think his assessment incurs a ton of responsibility, not just on himself, but on all of his peers. You cannot blame all of the quality of the product on Vince McMahon, just like you cannot blame all of bad basketball on the coach. Players have to make shots. Wrestlers have to have moves. So, once again, I somewhat stand in the middle of all this. Let me start by saying this. Uh, I think Velveteen Dream is the wrong person to attempt to make this point. And here's why. For two reasons. Reason number one, who can remember a certain Velveteen Dream going out on a major takeover and on the back of his trunks writing, Vince, call me up. Vince, call me up overstepping the boundaries of his boss, Triple H, who had something to say about it on a following subsequent Facebook Live. Second reason why I don't buy this is because you, Velveteen Dream, are not sitting under the writing of Vince McMahon. You, sir, are sitting under the writing of a Triple H who now has Shawn Michaels down there, who now has the road dog, the driving force behind SmackDown, all down there with you it's a completely different system than raw and smackdown and 205 live it's completely different you don't have vince 
backstage. When you work, you have Triple H or one of the agents or one of the producers. And let me go so far as to say this. You can have the best of actors, but a horrible story is a horrible story. I watched a film, had some friends over to the house. We watched this film. Oh, God, I wish I could remember the name of it. It might have been like Let the Church Say Amen or something like that, right? Had some pretty uh, high-quality actors in it. But no matter how quality the actors, the story was horrible. And so you can have great actors having a horrible story. The story is still horrible. I just think this. I think Velveteen Dream, who happens to be cut from the same cloth as one Leo Rush, uh, suffers from the same thing as Leo Rush. This whole idea of talking first and thinking later and hoping that it won't put him in a bad situation. Leo Rush's mouth wrote checks for him that, quite frankly, his body not only could not cash, but they prohibited even bigger checks coming from WWE. Velveteen Dream, I think, would do better, serve better, concentrating on the NXT product of which he is a part, which has nothing to do with what's happening on Raw and SmackDown right now. So, yeah, I don't feel very good about this at all. Um, And I think Velveteen Dream runs the risk of creating more havoc for himself um, than necessary. But one thing is certain. The guys in NXT clearly have a bit more freedom than the guys on Raw and SmackDown. Enter one Matt Riddle, who during the week of Super Showdown really went on live to talk about Goldberg. He talked about at one point how Goldberg blocked him on Twitter. Then he went and posted several things uh, during the match to talk about Goldberg and the like, and then finished with a post that basically said he feels Goldberg is unsafe. He This has proven that Goldberg was never a great worker, that Taker is the better worker, etc. So here's my larger question. You've got a vocal Matt Riddle. You've got a vocal Velveteen Dream. Is it good for these younger stars to be so vocal about the current product? Product that is probably bringing the company lots of money. I think it's ignorant. I think it's bad. I think it's bad for business. I think it's terrible for business. I think that at this young age, I do agree that you want to grab it by the horns. But I think in the midst of grabbing it by the horns, you want to make sure that you're having some honor. I got a chance on my last flight to watch the movie that The Rock produced about Paige and her family. And I had no clue about this concept called receipts. Mm -hmm. Well, I think receipts are a bigger thing. I think receipts are left when you say something that you shouldn't say. And we all talked about the backstage locker room. They bring you in front of the court. These guys in NXT have been protected from the main roster atmosphere. They don't know that if you aren't liked, you go there to die. If Taker says you're not it, if Cena says you're not it, if the big dog says you're not it, guess what? You ain't it, cowboy. I think these boys in NXT start smelling themselves in JV. And when it's not that they're not as good, it's just that their plays aren't called. Mm. Mm. Clack, what do you think? Are these wrestlers too vocal? Um, I, I, man, this this is a much deeper conversation. I'm going to do my my best not to go 
too deep into this. But I, I think it is, it's a challenge that not only in wrestling, but in society. I think it is, it's almost ludicrous. You know, I'm so glad that, uh, that the people that were sitting in the temple with Jesus when he was 12 didn't kick him out because of his tenure with the law. And there is just this this concept that attaches age to understanding or or smelling yourself or, you know, it, it, sometimes maturity does not come with age. Sometimes there are moments where people have this sponge type tendency. It's what I call it. You know, a few of the guys that I hang out with uh, that are a little bit younger than I am. And they ask me questions. And, and the first thing that I tell them is, whenever you come into the presence of greatness, be a sponge. Mm -hmm. That way, when somebody puts the squeeze on you, everything you've absorbed automatically comes out. Who's to say that Velveteen's just not a sponge? I, you know, here, here, here's <laughs> he, my. He said, "Nah, fam." No, no, be, because because we've got track record, right? Now, okay. Granted, let's go back. We can go all the way back to Tough Enough. In Tough Enough, he would kind of lord this whole idea of how much he knows, right? But, you know, and granted, he stands out because he understands and knows the history of wrestling. But at the time, he was 19 or 20. Um, yeah. And that that actually cost him his time on Tough Enough. He was fortunate enough to be good enough to be asked back outside of the Tough Enough realm. Um, but here's a guy, and, and this is the thing. This is we're not despising youth, but we can say that it is a rarity that youth is accompanied with wisdom. Um, all of us did things at a young age that now we wouldn't do because we understand wisdom, we understand protocol, we understand honor, we understand just what's good for business. You know, my thought is for a guy like the Velveteen Dream to criticize his peers in the same company, I think is a heavy, a heavy duty thing when you couple that with the guys you're criticizing are guys that you're actually not working with but in a place that you aspire to be. So I think that there's something really problematic with that. And you couple that with this. Couple that with, you know, you have to understand environments. And I go back to John Moxley and, and his criticism of, of, of Stone Cold in terms of this whole idea of grabbing the brass ring. Well, we can see that NXT and Raw and SmackDown are run very differently based on the product that's produced. Are you t are you telling me that the writing or, or that the athletes and here's what because here's what you're ultimately saying, O Velveteen Dream, that number one the athletes in NXT are better than the athletes on the main roster, which that could be an arguable point. But then when you couple that with the fact that a a decent percentage of the quote unquote main roster is filled with guys that came from that NXT system, what's the difference? If the guys could perform at NXT, but they aren't performing on Raw and SmackDown, same guys. So you mean that the writing has nothing to do with that? You mean that the opportunity or lack thereof has nothing to do with it? We will never see Ricochet perform on Raw in the same way that he performed in NXT which or, or in the same way that he performed in New Japan because the parameters are different. And I guarantee you that a Velveteen Dream, 
may not be the Velveteen Dream that we know should he get a call to Raw or SmackDown tomorrow. So I think that this is not despising one's youth as much as it is that you can look you can look at young people um, and you can hear when there's when, when what they're saying is laced with wisdom or when it's laced with ego there is a marked difference and this is a marked difference because the truth of it is when people talk about Star Wars nobody says George Lucas directed uh, a poor Star Wars as much as they say the story isn't what it used to be you know how it's an attempt to go well you know we're going to recreate this like all of these reboots that are happening or all these proposed sequels or prequels sometimes it's trying to relive a moment that you'll never be able to relive so let it be what it is. Um, and all of this does not explain the mass exodus that has happened. So that's why I say I think he probably would do better not saying much of anything. Okay, we got to run really quickly. Really, 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 really quickly. Because we still have some New Japan stuff to cover. We might get to Raw and SmackDown. As a matter of fact, uh, yeah, let's run to this New Japan situation really quick. And we may take a break during it if we need to. But um, we talked about Super Showdown. New Japan's Dominion 2019 took place this Sunday. If you're keeping track, Dominion last year is a place where Chris Jericho showed up, did some major damage, and Kenny Omega finally won the IWGP Heavyweight Championship from Kazuchika Okada. Well, this year's uh, Dominion event, very interesting. It kicked off with the new U.S. champion, John Moxley, defeating Shota Umino. And then he lets out this news that... He wants in the G1 Climax Tournament, which, holy cow. Shingo Tagaki defeated Satoshi Ojima. Then we had Jushin Thunder Liger and Yoshihashi defeat Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. In a six-man tag, Juice Robinson, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and uh, Taguchi defeated Chase Owens, Jay White, and Taiji Ishimori. We had our first title change as Tomohiro Ishii defeats Taiji to Tai Chi, excuse me, to become the new never open weight champion. It's his second reign with that title. Then we had Tama Tonga and Tongaloa successfully defend the IWGP Tag Team Championships uh, against Evil and Sonata. Shibata introduced a gentleman who looks to be a part of the G1 tournament. His name is Kenta. And we know Kenta as the former Hideo Itami. Then, Will Ospreay, the winner of the best of the Super Juniors, defeats Dragon Lee to regain the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Tetsuya Naito defeats Kota Ibushi to become the IWGP Intercontinental Champion in one of the most scintillating and dangerous matches we've seen in a long time. And the night wraps up with Kazuchika Okada successfully defeating Chris Jericho to retain the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Guys, any thoughts on Dominion? Well, that was Dookie. God. Oh, I can't. I, you know, every time I get ready to. Clyde, you want the same thing? Where was Duke? Clyde is thinking the same thing. Where is Brother Dookie? <laughs> you didn't think that? Um, I can tell what? you. Are you taking a Dookie? <laughs> oh, 
God. Are you in the bathroom class? Oh my God. You know, when GP started that is a bathroom refurb. I, I figured it would be appropriate if I changed my environment and got a different writer to produce something different, a different product. So when he started talking about New Japan, I went to the only place where I felt like New Japan could be productive. With Dookie. Wow. Wow. Okay. Uh, hold on. I do have some thoughts about New Japan. Okay. Wow. Wow. Oh, oh my God. Live on the air. Wow. I Wow. And that's how New Japan went. Wow. Dominion. Woo! All right. Tell you what. We're going to get some more thoughts on Dominion when we come back from break. Uh, I, wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is. All right. So let's go to some music from CFO. It's Undisputed. You've got it locked to the faction powered by Bonner 5 Radio. I, what, but here's the thing, GB. I got a lot left in the tank. What's up, guys? This is Mark here in the World's Strongest Man, and you're tuned in to the faction. Shock the system.
recap of the remix is sponsored by Domingo Mijo. Born Stanley Martin Lieber in New York City in 1922, Lee entered the comic book world as a teenage assistant in 1939. Stanley Lieber was the Joe Jackson of comic books. Mm, I don't even know how to feel about that. Yeah, just, I, I almost think he was greater than a Joe Jackson. I don't know, ain't nobody greater than Joe Jackson now. Wait a minute. That's when you messed up. No, 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 the remix on Bonafide Radio. We here Thursdays, 2 p.m. Eastern. Here on Bonafide Radio. Radio the way it's supposed to be. Exclusively on the remix. Don't miss it. Don't miss it at all. We are the faction. Yo, it's not a faction without the facts, son. Welcome back to the faction. That was Undisputed Era theme song by CFO GB. Let's get it. All right. So we're continuing our conversation about Dominion from New Japan, uh, which took place over the weekend. We talked to Clack. Let's see if we can get some things from Courtney uh, in terms of his thought of New Japan Dominion. What do you think? Listen, there are certain people that can fight forever. One of them is uh, 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 Tetsuya, who's wrestling with the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. Another one, Okada versus Chris Jericho. 25 minutes, 43 seconds. Gorillas of Destiny. Those guys, so they had a really good card. And then you have uh, John Moxley show up. So the card is is that for the last few pay-per-views for uh, New Japan, it seems like we're kind of recycling the same type of... So my question in New Japan is, are they going to build any new stars? Okay, so a couple of thoughts on the the building of the new stars. For one, they do have what's called the uh, Young Lions. And the right. Young Lions usually end up in the opening match or two. Shota Umino uh, has been getting quite the rub over the last year and change he ended up being the first uh young lion involved in the new japan cup which was a significant yeah it was the new japan cup or was it the g1 supercar or g1 uh climax one of those two and i hate that i can't remember uh, i think it was the g1 climax that he ended up being uh involved in which again it was a major situation for shota umino he certainly looks to be one of the uh, bright stars out of New Japan who will hopefully be getting the rub soon. I don't know how long uh, New Japan keeps its stars as young lions before, you know, promoting them. But let me just say this. Well, they guy, used to have the Young Lions Cup back in the day. Yeah, they, they did have that back in the day. Um, I'll say this. Uh, one of the brand new stars that they've produced is Jay White. Um, Jay White was in the dojo Jay White was sent away on excursion Part of his excursion brought him here to the US Where he was involved in Ring of Honor And when he left from Ring of Honor He went back to New Japan um, Where he really ended up having One of the best 
single calendar years in uh, New Japan history. So they create stars. Um, I think their process for it is a little bit different. And part of what's hard, I think, for us as Americans following the product is a lot of their new uh, the, their young lions are Japanese. So a lot of the storyline aspect that, you know, we would tend to embrace, it's hard to embrace because there usually isn't much translation for that. So there's that particular issue. But what I do think happened here over these last two pay-per-views from New Japan, um, New Japan, I think, has gotten a brand new rub. Thanks to the return of Chris Jericho and the debut of John Moxley. Listen, when you get the hottest independent free agent to show up and he's working AEW and New Japan, it's a major win. And I think, and you guys mentioned this actually before, but I think it's held to be true now, certainly over the last two years. New Japan was super hot to us in the States when you had this combination of Japanese wrestlers and American slash English wrestlers as well. Uh, and so whether it was the Young Bucks and Cody and Kenny, um, you know, that whole being the elite bullet club situation worked really, really well because there was somebody who could relate directly to the American fan. Unfortunately or unfortunately, New Japan needs the influx of American stars to be really considered a true international promotion. And so if you're going to get American stars besides a Juice Robinson and besides a Chase Owens and you get a Chris Jericho and a John Moxley, you're winning. And so that has provided to me the shot in the arm that uh, New Japan has needed if they're really going to be competitors on this world stage with WWE, AEW, and the like. So to me, the energy that has been brought from a John Moxley and a Chris Jericho, yeah, it now makes you forget about the Young Bucks and Kenny, but nothing had filled that hole until this. So uh, I think that's a good move for New Japan. And if they can keep this thing going where uh, Moxley and Jericho can be part of what they're doing with New Japan and continue their uh, responsibilities in AEW, it is a major, major win. So congratulations to New Japan. Congratulations to John Moxley, man. He's a completely different dude, and I'm loving this. I think it's a great, great situation. All right, so let's head back to the States. Let's talk WWE, and let's talk Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw took place from the SAP Center, the SAP Center, which you would imagine would be kind of a sweet place. In San Jose, California, kicked off with uh, several folks confronting the Universal Champion Seth Rollins, including Baron Corbin, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn. Then, in a rematch from the Super Showdown, Lars Sullivan defeats the Lucha House Party in an elimination match, which seems pretty brutal, if you ask me. Then in a six-man tag, The Miz, Braun Strowman, and Ricochet defeated the U.S. champion Samoa Joe, Bobby Lashley, and Cesaro. Lacey Evans and Alexa Bliss defeat the championship duo of Becky Lynch and SmackDown Women's Champion, Bailey. The Women's Tag Team Champions actually won a match, folks. The Iconics defeated, oh, Lisa Lace and Aaliyah Maya. Yeah, you, didn't hear, you haven't heard of them either? Neither has the rest of the WWE roster. Go figure. Great move, Iconics. The Revival defeats Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins and the Usos to become the new 
Raw Tag Team Champions in a triple threat match. R-Truth in his 24-7 championship while he was being chased gets, of all things, trapped in the closet. No, not quite the closet. He got trapped in the elevator, folks. Some creative writing there. Uh, apparently, Velveteen uh, Dream didn't think that went over very well. Bray Wyatt showed up on the Firefly Funhouse, and we got a bit of more brutality as he crushed Ramblin' Rabbit and ate his guts, which kind of looked like some duck sauce from the Chinese restaurant. Last but not least, Kevin Owens defeats... Oh, wait, did I say that? That didn't sound good. Kevin Owens defeats the Universal Champion Seth Rollins via DQ. Monday Night Raw, what did you guys think of the show? Uh, Courtney, are you back? I'm back. Raw ain't back. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Raw's not back. Um, The guys came out of double or nothing. Like, they had something to Prove. And last night just seemed, I mean, Monday night seemed like more of the same. It seems like, it, it feels like late rewrites. Um, The continuity is bad. And what's sad is that there are a bunch of stars. Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of stars. Like, for instance, does Shane have a faction at all? Right. Who's in the faction? Mm-hmm. Who's in it? Because I love a good faction. So just have it and run rush out all over everybody. Um, I, it, it's Barry Corbin. Seth, it is just so convoluted. Vince, give us Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. Put the belt on Braun Strowman. And for Pete's sake, whoever Pete is, stop letting Lars Sullivan throw them brothers around. Mm-hmm. Three little guys should destroy a big guy. Mm-hmm. You mean to tell me that Brock Lesnar has been getting destroyed on television with the chair? But Lars Sullivan, Mr. Lispy Lars Sullivan, Mr. Confederate Flag Lars Sullivan, mm-hmm. Mr. Uh, did you say, uh, Mr. Archie Bunker of the 21st century. Mm-hmm. I. I I, I am lost, guys. And Clack, I don't care what you say. It is not a talent deficit. It is a guy who's calling the shots deficit. Because these same brothers work well in NXT. Mm-hmm. Clack? Uh, some of it is a talent deficit. Not oh, God. To make sure that you understand that. Some of it oh, is. Oh, God. Uh, but Monday Night Raw was definitely a gigantic letdown. Uh, no doubt about it. But, you know, there's something about Sullivan. He's just, he's just weird. You know, I, just, I don't like him. Mm-hmm. Well, first off, he needs to shave his chest. Yeah. And then he needs to get in the gym. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I also think, though, that we've really got to take our hat off to Seth Rollins. Yeah. That, yeah. that yeah. dude is turning into what The Miz was maybe 18 months ago. That, that I can we see that. felt like the Miz was carrying the show. Yeah, uh, yep. I feel like Seth is putting Monday Night Raw on his back, and he is. Uh, whatever ratings they are getting, it's because of him. I do like Courtney's suggestion: put the strap on Strowman, please. Yeah, let him be a monster, ripping heads off, or give it to Cesaro because he definitely deserves it. Cesaro, and, yeah. 
let, let me tell you the, the one key ingredient I think is missing. You ready, guys? Managers. I think managers would do this current roster some justice. So we, we have guys who you don't want to hear Bobby Lashley talk. You want to see him rip some heads off. You don't want to see a Baron Corbin talk. You want to see him, and for God's sake, take Baron Corbin out of the men's outfit and put him in a wrestling gear. Baron Corbin looks like the lead guitar player in a Christian rock band of a small storefront church. <laughs> Isn't that an oxymoron? Take it as you will. <laughs> you know, I started to ask for us to just all do suggestions as to how to make Monday Night Raw better. But I will say this. Um, it's a shame the manager deal with Bobby Lashley was working really well. It was just the person... Uh, who just kept screwing things backstage to cost a really good gig because that I mean, was working. It was working I mean. really, really well. Um, so Monday Night Raw, I don't really have a lot of uh, good things to say, but let's have this conversation because I think that there, there are a couple of things that I'm now looking forward to every week. First of all, I think it's a shame that post-WrestleMania – uh, there's a big, there's been a big cooling off of a, a certain Becky Lynch. Very weird how that's happening. Very true. But a big cooling off, with the exception of her work on social media. And I must talk about this, boy. The same time Matt Riddle was lighting up Goldberg. Oh my gosh, Becky Lynch was lighting up Edge and his wife Beth Phoenix. With some scathing, I mean, their exchanges were just downright scathing. I need that version of the man back on my television because right now it's gone, which now is making me wonder in hindsight, maybe we didn't really understand just how valuable Ronda Rousey really, really was. Um, I, listen, I miss old Ronnie these days. I miss Ronnie. Ronnie brought out the best in, in everybody. Um, but let's talk about the Firefly Funhouse, shall we? I think we're now in week seven, eight. Of the Wait a minute. Nia Jax got involved in that beef on Twitter, too? She did. Yes, she did. Oh! Yes, she did. Explicit. Go back to tanking ratings and making your two belts completely irrelevant. While you're at it, have Lacey Evans teach you how to take a proper shower, you moldy cabbage-smelling ginger. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. It's crazy when social media becomes far oh. more interesting than the actual product. And that's what's happening these days. But I want to get back to this Firefly Funhouse. We're now about eight weeks into this bad boy. Um, what are your thoughts on this Firefly Funhouse? Because it continues to develop week after week. Well, if he doesn't hurry up and get in the ring and do something, it's gonna lose its luster. You I know, disagree. the one thing that I well, that that's, you you disagree with everything today, so it's just as no, it's I in the disagree with everything. So, but I disagree with my that. Problem, I'll tell you why. My, my my problem with Raw is that Raw is starting to look like one big SNL sketch with all these behind the scenes uh, vignettes and videos and all those things. Are you a wrestling show or are you being ran by Lauren Michael? Or is Vince McMahon and Lauren Michael one and the same? Lauren Michael at least knows how to keep it spicy and listen to the younger guys. 
So I, I love what Bray Wyatt is doing, but if Bray doesn't hurry up and get in the ring before SummerSlam and do something with it, it's going to cool off. Courtney Aloysius Loquacious Beard. Here's the problem with your theory. You, sir, earlier in this show, tried to wear out Brandon Clack because all Clack knew was the polka dot version of a certain Dusty Rhodes. Which is real. You said he wasn't a real wrestling lover, a real wrestling aficionado. Because he did not as- it. because he did not ascribe to what happened in the eighties. What made Dusty Rhodes great was his ability not just to tell a story, but his timing in telling a story. He understood that if I'm gonna roll this new thing out, I'm not gonna just do it in one week or two weeks or four weeks. We're gonna give this thing some time and then when it's time to roll it out it'll be like a great rotisserie meal that you could totally enjoy and i chose that route because i knew of all people courtney you could relate so here's the deal how dare you want bray wyatt serve as a piece of microwave cake let that bad boy Sit in the oven, let it rise to its proper temperature at the right time. There is an un there's a story that's being told and layers that are being revealed so that by the time he gets in the ring, it's gonna be special. Now I have a question about when he gets in the ring. When he gets in the ring, is he getting in the ring like the sweater version of Bray? Or is he getting in the ring as the fiend? Or is there going to be some sort of transformation just like it was when Bill Bixby becomes the Hulk? Like, what's that going to look like, right? So do, do, do we have to go under the ring? Do the lights have to go out? I'm thinking in my head how that's executed is really going to determine whether or not this Bray Wyatt gimmick really works. Because at some point, he is going to have to get in the ring. And there has, there's going to have to be some degree of magic. Either he's coming in the ring as himself and something triggers him, or he's coming in the ring as this fiend or whatever. I don't know, but to me, I'd rather them take the time, just give us three minutes every week, and take the time so that they roll this out right. Because if they roll it out wrong, these months of production will be pointless. And let's be even more honest. They haven't even built an opponent for Bray yet. So there's no reason for him to show up. What's he going to do? Fight for the stupid 24-7 championship? No. Give Bray time to cook in the oven, and let's cook up the right opponent for him as well. Because if we do, man, this thing's going to be a real winner. Clash, you got anything to say about this? Uh, I, I think that GB is correct in all honesty. I think Bray is the type of wrestler where he needs storyline. Mm-hmm. He needs mystique. He needs timing. Truth be told, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time mastered that and laid out the template, The Undertaker. Uh, I would I never question Undertaker's long setups behind the scenes as he was carving out coffins and mm-hmm. as he was speaking from the grave and all of these things. You know, I thought even, even when it was seemingly a tad bit corny, when actors were trying to find out where the real Undertaker was. And mm-hmm. Ted, you know, all of that 
for the type of wrestler and the type of character that Undertaker was, I think it was necessary. Whether Undertaker refuses to give Bray Wyatt his inheritance or not, somebody has laid their hands on him. Mm-hmm. And Bray Wyatt's going to walk in his mantle. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's on him. It, it, is, it is undeniable. So, so, book it. Book it. How do you bring Bray into the ring? Book it real quick. I think his entrance, you know, has to be one of the most memorable entrances in WWE history. It cannot be the whole... It can't be what it used to be, right? I think they've spent the last few weeks deconstructing what we've known as the old Bray Wyatt, right? So everything from his old outfit to, you know, the ceremonial cutting of that cutout of who he used to be, even to the joke last week about Vince McMahon wanting him to work out so he worked out, like they're incorporating all this stuff in here so that by the time we see him, we have a brand new situation. I think this has to be one of the most well-produced uh, entrances ever, right? So it can happen to me one of two ways. I think it happens, you know, where they set it up and it's just just this wildly produced situation that looks great on live TV and it translates. Well, I don't even know exactly what it would be, but here's what I have a thought of, that that's the entrance for him only during major pay-per-views, right? So he doesn't fight on every pay-per-view, on major pay-per-views like Mania, Royal Rumble, much like they do with the Demon Finn Balor, right? He gets a special entrance during those types of things. You don't waste that on regular TV. If he shows up on regular TV, it should be very simple. The lights go out, and then when the lights reappear, the fiend is there, scaring people half to death. And I promise you, people will automatically be frightened when the lights go out if it happens enough time. And I mean, like, he just does off-the-wall stuff. Because to your point, Clack, you don't watch The Undertaker for catch-as-catch-can. You don't watch. You know, I don't look for him for technical value. I don't look for Bray for technical value. There is a whole aura that's coming with him, much like, you know, with Papa Shango and Jake the Snake Roberts, you know. Like, these are, are intellectual characters. They're psychological characters. You cannot focus on just what they do in the ring. It's the entire package. So I think if they get that right, yeah, man, we got a real winner. Clack book it. Uh, SummerSlam. Brock Lesnar cashes in after uh, Seth Rollins defeats Baron Corbin for the 90th time. Decimates Seth Rollins, wins the title, lights go out. Production, as GB has mentioned, takes place, and Bray Wyatt destroys Brock to the mm. core. So mm. much so that Brock is now visibly intimidated to the likes of Kamala and Yokozuna when mm. it comes to The Undertaker. Monday Night Raw comes. Bray Wyatt has figured out a way to get in the main event, and he wins the strap on Monday Night Raw. Mm, love it. Interesting. Love it. The very next night, he wins the title because Brock is so fearful. Interesting. I, I mean, I'm with you. I don't think this and Bray should have to climb the, the ladder. I don't think no. so. He's a former world champion. Can we, 
Can, can we book it a little bit further than that, GB, if, 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 if we have a little bit of time? Okay, sure. Because after that, what, what I see is Bray running through a bunch of people. Yeah. But then Bray saying, I'm here to put the lights out of Undertaker. Him and Taker go at it. And afterwards, Taker anoints him. What Clack has been yeah. saying forever. Well, and I think and that has to happen Bray, as he destroys Undertaker. Destroy, I mean, destroys him. The same way that Sean looked at Rick and said, I'm sorry, the same way Bray destroys Undertaker and the mantle. Wait, falls Courtney, off. let me put an asterisk. Not the way Sean did Flair. It needs to be more along the lines of how Chris Jericho betrayed Sean. Oh. It almost needs to be like. I don't care who wins that match. Yeah. I just need Bray to destroy him in some type of either betrayal or some type of fit of rage. But see, for me, Bray has to win that match. This, ha to me, to establish the yeah. legacy, Bray has to win the match and he has to destroy Undertaker in such a way where we don't see Taker ever get in the ring again. But. He does it also in a way where not only does Taker end up kind of anointing him, but Taker endorses him with his regular physical presence. Taker yeah. ends up being the one who handed him Sister Abigail. And that changes the entire game because not only is he feared, he has the rub of Taker. We don't ever have to see Taker in a ring again, but Taker, we still get his presence. We still get his commentary. Can you imagine a Taker serving as a manager like Paul Bearer, except far more creepy? And, oh, my God, this could be amazing. Wait, if, if he's going to anoint him, he can't anoint him. Oh, go ahead, Courtney. Yeah, if he's going to anoint him, he can't use anything Bray already possesses. Right. After Bray beats Brock on Raw, Taker has to come down and stuff him in a casket. Keep him in that casket for a week and then bring him out next week on Raw. Open the casket and that has to be his coronation. I don't, I don't know how else. I don't want Listen to do anything me. Bray's already had. Listen to me. If Bray started using that doggone gong before his music hits, Ooh. I would lose my <laughs> rabid mind. <laughs> I don't hear, I, and the music has to be good. But if that gong hits first, yeah, ah, Lord have mercy. I like it. If the dong goes first, but it's should a it be like a remixed gong, <laughs> right? So like no, there are elements of the gong. No. The, 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 the first sound has to be the gong because when that gong hits, it's like it's like the symbol in a good praise break. That thing brings the holy hustle back in the building. It takes you high. I have no reason to fear. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, it's funny. Bray White got that Tiffany Boone uh, hairstyle right now, man. He starts swinging that thing around. I have no reason to fear. Man, listen.
So I, we we we, we we just solved WWE. We really did. We really did. Uh, we we could do this whole. Smack- do y'all want to talk about SmackDown or no? No, nothing. Nothing happened. We just this we is a high to. note. Yeah, I mean this, this is a high note. This is how you end and it. Just, just feel you were wrong. Big E did not turn on New Day as you wrote in our DMs. Yeah, and, and uh, just I don't know. You really wanted it, but it didn't. Happen. Yeah, you know, there's no need to break up the New Day at this point. I mean, I think the New Day is a faction that's been working. They're still selling lots of merch. Uh, it's a great way to raise the entire stake of the New Day, as well as Kofi Kingston. There's no need to break that up. I mean, yeah. And, guys, let me just tell you all this. We talked about it last week on the show. Y'all pushed me to do it. I was in New York. I didn't see much of the city, but I did watch Dark Side of the Ring. Oh, I meant for us to talk the, about that. The Von Nerds, Bruiser Brody. Uh, 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 what was the first one I watched? The first? Oh, man. Oh, Jimmy Cornette. Jimmy, Cor- Jimmy Cornette was going to take that to his grave. Mm-hmm. 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 And I don't know how y'all feel. Do y'all really think that Jimmy Cornette's going to be alive? To relieve himself on Vince's grave, do you think he'd actually do it? Oh, he absolutely would do it. Yay, do it. <laughs> well, and, and stream it live on pay per view. Like he would absolutely do it. No doubt about it. He do it for real? Yeah, he would. Yeah, Man, he would. I, I, you guys push me. I gotta watch the other ones. I'm so intrigued. I, I think it's 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 so well done. It's better than anything we've seen. Yeah. And uh, in, in wrestling, the Bruiser Brody one gripped my heart. Mm-hmm. The Von Erich one, I just left feeling that Kevin is so incredibly. Kevin can tell a story too, man. Yes, he can. Kevin can tell a story. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. We'll see. Also, I got to mention this one thing. All Elite Wrestling, their latest pay-per-view is called Fighter Fest. Uh, It's coming end of June, and they've made a monster announcement that they will be be airing this live on Bleacher Report Live for free. Free 99 on Bleacher. Now, Bleacher Report. This is huge. So, WWE, keep your relationship with ESPN. AEW is smart, and they said we're going with the next best thing. Mm-hmm. And, GB, I have one more question for us. Yes. It is not wrestling-related, but it's very close to our business that we love. Okay. Does Golden State win this next game, or are they going home? You know, I think, and I know it's tough because Kevin Durant is out and things like that, but which he should have never brought in the game, but that's another story. But I think that this is the ultimate redemption for Golden State. Do we need to be reminded that it was just a couple of years ago that they had a 3-1 lead that they blew that had never been done in the finals before? This is their redemption. They're not going to lose in Oakland. So you see them hawking up and win. I absolutely do. Clack, call it. Uh, I do think they're going to win tomorrow night. But unfortunately, I think they're going to lose Game 7. In Oakland. Oh, They're going to lose Game 7 in Toronto. Oh, it's in no, Toronto? no, no, no. No, it's no, Oakland, no, no, no. Game 7's in Oakland. It's in Oakland. No, no, no. No, 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 guys. Game 6 is in Oakland tomorrow night. 
Game Seven will be in Toronto. That's Remember weird, the series. Dude. The series started in Toronto, which means Toronto had home court advantage. No, I thought I thought it was two two one one one. But it, oh. I, I remember, it used to be old school two three two. Right. Yeah, the team with home court advantage always gets Game Seven at home. That's why Oak. They're in Oakland this Thursday, mm. last game at Oracle. Mm. Oh man, I think they're gonna You're pull right. out Herculean. You're effort. right. Well, but I don't think they're going to have enough. I, now, listen, I'm praying that they have enough. I want them to win. Oh, man. Winning game seven at Toronto I, is one for the books. I'll tell you this. I think one of the here's the big difference to me. Golden State knows how to win in clutch situations. Toronto has never seen game seven of the NBA finals pressure. Very true. I agree. Pressure. So home court won't matter. Rem- let's be reminded that game five was won on Toronto's home court. Toronto could have ended this Monday yeah. night, but they did Well, shout out to Toronto's Jim Cornette Drake. He hopes that they win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, made total sense, didn't it? Oh, my gosh. All right, so here's how you can reach out to us by way of social media. Courtney. At C Major Beard on Instagram or Twitter. Courtney Beard on Facebook. I do want to talk to you about wrestling. Clack. Brandon J. Clack on all the social media platforms. I'll talk to you soon. And, of course, you can reach me at Bonnerfied. And you can check us out at The Faction Show on Instagram, Facebook, and the Twitter. Until next time, it's Clack, it's Courtney, it's GB. We are The Faction.